Hi, this is Bill Allenton again from Urban Tiger Radio, sponsored by Cybermouse Multimedia Limited. I know I've shared various things with you in the past regarding Martin Bragger's work and my own poetry. This podcast is going to be about both of us together. Martin and I did an evening down at the old Harlequin on Johnson Street, Wicker, which is now flat, and we had a wonderful time, and I, I gather the audience did too from the response, which you will hear if you listen to the podcast. Subsequent to that, doing some recordings with various local musicians, uh, I have to say that I can only use people who produce original work, because I don't want to get tangled up with the Performing Rights Society. So I'm beginning with Jeff, Welsh Jeff, who a lot of people will know on the folk scene. I did an interview with him yesterday, which was quite interesting, and we will intersperse that some of Jeff's original work that he chose himself to include in the podcast. I'm going to call it Kellam Island Discs, which is, I know is a BBC ripoff, but who cares? They're biased anyway. So I will let you know when that one is coming up. I've also got a novel. Granny Was a Buffer Girl, recorded by the author herself, Burley Doherty. That will come up. Uh, that will come up as a separate podcast, and I will let you know exactly how to find that. It won't be hard, and when that is live, I will let you know. Meanwhile, I want you to sit back, close your eyes, imagine you've got a pint in your hand, and listen to the evening that Martin and I had at the Harlequin on Johnson Street. To say it was nerve-wracking is to... Uh, understate it somewhat. It was a fantastic night. We both enjoyed it. We cocked up tremendously on the way through. But unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on your point of view, only the second half got recorded. So here is the full second half of Bill and Martin live at the Harley Quinn. Some of them are still here, Martin. Yeah. <laughs> Where did we go wrong? <coughs> and there's others. And there's others. Oh, we've had, we've had a, we lost a few games here, so we've had a change around, have we? I don't know who's in, but it's only early for us yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> we don't normally start while they start. <laughs> well, <laughs> tram drivers usually come here for the last spot. <laughs> <laughs> Right, what we're going to do this spot, just to send you out totally depressed. Um, we, we've got quite a bit of war themed stuff, anti-war basically, I think it all ends up as. And, uh, yeah, and we're going to do a spot themed along those lines and we're finishing it off with a, a poem and a song that we've put together, just woven bits of each in with the other. And, uh, and you'll be the first to know if it works. <laughs> You'll also be the first to know if it doesn't. But, <laughs> no, well, uh, we'll be the sec- We'll be the first to know. Rob will answer. What was that pile of crap? If I can just extend that to wartime Sheffield. Yes. Yeah, wartime Sheffield. That's where we are. Right. Okay. And uh, and this spot is slightly longer than the others. And uh, if anybody's uh, of a nervous disposition and is you know, is affected by strobe lights, so you freak out now, please. <laughs> uh, not later. Are you all right? Yeah. Right. Okay. I was going off to work when I first saw that picture. 
It appeared of a night stuck on library wall. It had deep piercing eyes over a bristling moustache. A most accurate finger that leapt from the paper to poke his ink ribs. Aye, and it conscience and all. I can still see the man as we met in the pub. He was tall and well set. We'd not seen him before. He moved round amongst us, buying summer as ale, and said he were off soon to rattle it on, and I was jolly boys and miss all the fun when he'd been and finished the war. He sat down with me and me two other mates and said, Was like playing an uncommonly hard game of cricket, but our young Jack the lads just like us had survived to bring home the medals and Kaiser Bill's head if we kept his hands on his balls and his eyes on the wicket. And, and when we got home, how the women would cheer, they'd shout and they'd wave with a smile on their face and how we'd be masters of all we surveyed as our dreams for the future rose like the sun. And the girls fell in droves at the feet of a new warrior race. But the trains picked up speed by the clip of the wheels. My head's on the glass with bay rum smeared all around. There's the shape of her lips in the dust on windows. And smiles nailed at faces of all the young men just like me. They're all crying, but not making a sound. And I watch all the stations and junctions fly past with an eye that I've not used before. And there's some fold down the car singing, pack up your troubles, but I want to be quiet and soak up the world to fill me life now in case I don't come back from the war. I can see through it all now. It were all just a scheme to capture his young hearts and minds. But the riveting wheels fanned a firebox heat until a clatter of points shook the veil from the lies and the hope from our lives. But it rattled our souls when we all saw the truth as it lay in the dust at our feet. I looked across at the others. We all seemed the same. In our boots and our belts, an anonymous mass of young men who swayed down the track to the King's regulations while we studied our pay books to bite back the tears and tried not to wonder if we'd ever seen England again. We weren't far apart then. It were barely an hour. It just seemed like a year as the carriages ate up the miles while a boy with a mouth organ poured our hearts through the reeds into the child in our souls. And it swirled with the smoke as it painted the walls with the last of our own lover's smiles. And so I just sat there, my bag on the rack, her brooch in my hand, the cap buttoned down on my shoulder. I looked at my fingers as I toyed with her ribbon and hoped they'd remember how she'd felt last night in case she'd have changed on the day I came back as a soldier. We stopped once or twice, picked up more of the same. I studied the clouds as the glass shot the sun into splinters. I watched the new boys that came in from the heat while they waved their goodbyes until their smiles fell away when they saw in our eyes, in here, was the deepest of winters. If only we'd taken the time, just look and see how the train made us all sway together and sharpened our destiny down one single line, we perhaps wouldn't have searched other faces for death that looked hard in our own and accepted we can't live forever. The carriage grew dark and the last of the light. The lads settled down, but that day were too precious for sleep. We watched in the gloom as the glow of a fag lit the red mask we wore to cover the fists that lay bald in our laps 
and the wrench in our hearts from the effort it took not to weep. But the train rattled on, for the wheels didn't care. As the sweat from the fireman spilled into the night with his fire, we were carried along in a pocket of sun like a piece of the day to burn up the trees as if we'd never left in the wake of a funeral pyre. I remember the prayers in that night from the boys and the mumbling of lips that had never petitioned before but now weren't too shy to beg in the dark for forgiveness and love and a bulletproof skin or if it must be the key to let themselves in heaven's door and the brakes took a hold and we were pressed in our seats with the dawn coming up in the east the air filled with salt and the tremor of ships and the nails of our boots as we stole off to war like beggars on the night of the feast.
Young Edie bought it for our 10th anniversary back in the quiet of 24. She died not long after, after a collapse of the lung. And it wasn't until Ted the eldest were born that I felt that we'd even the score. And you see, the blue dragon. Hey, I think I'm going crazy. I'm sat here alone and I'm talking out loud, but I'm gonna die. I'd sooner it was here, under my kitchen table, than at the end of the yard in the dampness and up. And just look at this handle. Fits like a glove. Blends into a body that's rounded and smooth, just like our Edie. She never could keep that weight off. But then, later on, when she started to cough, she became leaner and hollow, like this here spout. As we sat in that bedroom, stroked her hands and her face as her breath hit the air and watched till the last as she steamed her life out. I still cry for Edie. That I can't help. And when I hear the siren, this pot comes down from the shelf. When I look at the dragons, I remember us laughing for we giving them names. She said, this one were me on every fourth week. And I'd said there weren't enough pot left to draw hers. And if she wants a fat, she wouldn't have had as much cheap. I find myself talking to Edie. It's hard, even now, to accept that she's dead. In my mind, her face never alters while I look in the mirror and watch the lines thread. There. That one. That was John Simmons that never came back. He was soft and old Edie. Now, there was much more than that. Sometimes I'd go round and find her in tears and all she would say was, John, 
and she'd fly up the stairs and wouldn't come down until all of the red in her eyes had gone. And she bounced down the steps to try on her new hat, but I knew that her heart was still wearing black. This one, on the stand, with its mouth wide open, we said, was the future. And how it swallowed the years, sitting quiet and scary. And despite its big smile and the crocodile tears, it was just sat there waiting to eat the unwary. When Edie took ill and was racked by that cough, I painted it out with a spot of white and held me breath till her eyes had lost all their light. I took it down the day after and scraped it back off. Listen, they shouted again. Mum, Mum, hurry up in the shelter. But they'd be all right. They're in more danger from each other than from bombs in the night. But just look at this pot. With a dragon curled right round the knob on the lid, I told Fred that were him, and he said, Nah, knob's far too big. So I grabbed him and pulled him in front of the fire, and we wrestled and giggled and fought till I'd proved him a lie. But he was thinner then, and we could dance up a jig, if you know what I mean. And his hair was still dark, like the leaves in a cup when you've drunk it all down and there's no left to sup. And they fit to the shape, but there's white showing through and you can study the pattern and search for a future that may never happen, except in the dream. But then, dreams are like steam, either full of a heat and a power that drives or portents and omens of lives shortened by death when they hang in the air like Edie's last breath. You know, these legs don't work like they used to. The joints get all stiff when I've been down here kneeling. I'll have the lads rub my feet to get back some of the feeling when they've trudged up the path to me little tin hut. Listen, they're shouting again. I'd better wrap up this pot before I open the door, put it under my coat so the moon doesn't catch. They've enough light tonight. I'll not give them more. It's just three steps to the latch across the stone kitchen floor. God, that was close. It rattled the wedges from out of the windows. It's a house, I can tell by the weight muffled the blast. There's another, someone else coming home to nothing but cinders and the bricks are still falling and the akakat manners all chatter and crack. And... There's another, it's a pattern. They're coming right down the back. I can't feel the latch. Now catch yourself, hand in hands, nice and steady. Where are the matches? Oh no. Dear God. Me dragons to pieces. Oh, I'm so, so sorry, Edie. But listen, they've stopped. Is that all for today? My heart had burst if I had one more sound and the gunfire's much softer. Now they've turned right around to chase them away and I can hear the lads cheering, but then well, I was just a game to a kid. But just look at me dragons. All shattered to pieces. Here, look. There's one left. Hey, it's the one on the lid.
This is a song I'm loosely based on uh, the little ships uh, coming over when all our troops were stranded in Dunkirk and there was a big order. Anybody with a ship of any size, get over to get our men back. And uh, what it 40,000, Mike? 40,000 that they brought back. And you <laughs> got a lot back. I'll leave it to your own imagination to as to whether this man got back. Wind in my favour.
having us the use of this room. So we're going to do one that uh, we briefly, we briefly had a go at. We wanted tonight to be like uh, essentially a bit ad lib, and it's worked all right, hasn't it? Uh, it's got to be ad lib. All the cock ups I've made tonight, that's all we got to be ad lib. This is uh, we're merging two pieces of work here, so it's an experiment. So if I cock up, please forgive me, like I've done past twice. Uh, this is a song of mine called uh, "Hypnotized," uh, mixed with a with, with a, a piece of uh, the journey back called "The Journey Back." So we've got hypnotic hypnotic journey. Yeah. It's designed to send you all to sleep. <laughs> so we can rob your pockets. <laughs> First time in ages I thought of young John when I looked for that smile beneath an irreverent cap. Hear the chuckle he's kept despite all the slaughter. Feel his hand strong in mine, then remember he's gone to become part of that nation of wilderness boys in a dark sea of mud, shouting at God, their mouths filled with water.
Tossed by fingers that tear at our clothes for the touch of a warrior coming in from the cold as the shore rose to meet the incoming tide. We fight it together until she stands in my space, allies in hope and salt taste. And we watch for the women who have hoped for mistake and who have waited for men they will now never hold. sons born again in the waste that filled others with ache for a missing face as we fled with our lives down the rails. If you look out through your windows and observe the city scenes, you will see the helpless victims 
cold and their routine And every move they make They have made The day before And every step they take They will strive
while Marty's tuning, I'll just tell you what we're doing. Uh, we've, we've looked at things that have had a similar theme and, and what have you. This, these two are actually two sides of, of the same theme. Uh, you notice that some of the things he writes, he writes in a woman's voice, and some things I do, I do as well. And, and we find that easy, and I don't know what that says about us. But basically, this, this poem, which is a short one for me, uh, is, is written by a whaler's wife who's waiting for him on the cliff to see if the ship comes back. I don't know if you, if you knew, but when they set off, they set off on like two and three year voyages. I mean, they were, they were gone. I, I mean, I didn't realise this until I read a book the other week about it. And they set off on, on, on an incredible voyage and they didn't come back until they got the holes full and that could be like three, three and a half years before they, you know, as they, as they wailed the oceans empty, they had to go further and further afield and some of them right around into the Pacific. And uh, anyway, so this, this is a lady that's been waiting for what must seem like forever. And Martin's song is actually... The Moby Dick song. The Moby Dick song. It's a real epic. <laughs> <laughs> you really feel like you're there. That's what I mean. The Albino Devil. <laughs> Are we right? Are we right, Andy? Like Jonah, I stand. God shriven betwixt the jawbones of a whale. Far below the sea, blands fruitlessly amongst the empty harbour. Then out once more against the shale. The sky is grey. The snow falls pale against my own dark cap and casts a mantle on the sea. I wonder at the time that comes to steal the darkness from my hair, to leave it pale as snow, and if God wills that his should ever be. I think, amongst the shivers, of those hands so bold upon the ropes and none less so within the places that we share of the mouth so often silent lying carved by every voyage sheltered in the lee of rocks where fingers were enough to tell me that you care you stole across the christmas sea to pit your will against leviathan and god the least of which you follow till his pride deep dark resounding in his lair and leave to me the most whose strength shall be my rod and shall this year be different? When days have flown and flown again with only tides allowed the turning back, shall my spring become a winter? Amongst Shall my blossom fall amongst the weeds of widowhood? Shall I become the pale reflection of my shadow? Shall my eyes see naught but black? And if the sea should choose to claim you, what strengths have I to hold you close to earthly cares? For my tears can only mark your face and bring your lips the salt taste promise of another day, whilst you would drown in hers. Oh, and she would fit you close, my love, in places where we touch and leave, but she will never know your lover's eye, and all her tears shall breed an ocean dark as my despair, where every shore and pebble grieve. And in the wind, the snow falls, ceaseless as ash from ice fire. A flake <coughs> adopts my cheek and flows saltless to my lips, pressed firm against the sky. It brings to me the kiss of mountains, while across the bay a crack of sail 
assures me that the sea does not yet cry.
Thank you.